Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Friday, November 18th, 549 a.m. Central Time as I speak here. December corn futures up three and a quarter at 670 and three quarters. January soybeans up four and a quarter at 1421 and a quarter. December Chicago wheat up five at 811 and three quarters. December Kansas City wheat unchanged at 938. December spring wheat up one and three quarters at 955 and a half. If you guys are listening on the podcast, appreciate it. Uh, ratings and reviews, very much welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to the channel. Make sure you hit the like button. Drop me a comment if you've got uh, basis updates, crop updates. Just drop in to say good morning, guys. Anything, all of those comments will help YouTube to help me to grow this channel. Uh, very much appreciate it. If you would like some additional information from me, visit my website, www.standardgrain.com. Check out my premium subscription service today. I send my premium subscribers a ton of information direct from me every single business day. Morning email goes out about 5.30 a.m. Central Time. In that email, you'll see every overnight headline you need to be aware of. Charts, graphics, weather information, all of my grain marketing recommendations. My daily subscriber-only videos are part of this deal. I do these mailbag videos like once every couple of weeks, and I get a ton of questions that come in from subscribers on a daily basis. And in these uh, mailbag videos, I address these questions. And oftentimes, I'll use charts, graphics, kind of give my two cents. A lot of them are like opinion-based type stuff, but most of them are grain marketing related. Some of them aren't, uh, but these are real popular videos that I do like once every couple weeks. If you guys are interested in this sort of content, sign up today, 50 bucks a month, cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else, I promise. So the prospect of a U.S. rail strike is uh, back in the news here. A rail strike could begin on either December 5th or December 9th, and I suppose that depends on uh, if one of the unions or two of the unions decides to kind of line up in terms of time frame with the other unions. You've got 12 unions in total. So far, seven of the 12 have voted to ratify this tentative agreement that was brokered by the White House. So you need all of the 12 unions to agree in order to avoid a strike. There's a vote that I believe is ongoing within at least a couple of the unions right now, and you're going to see some results early next week, I believe on Monday. So uh, we'll know a little bit more early next week, and I'm sure I'll be talking about this on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, UPS is one of the largest U.S. railway customers. A UPS spokesperson said this, we encourage an immediate resolution that is beneficial to all parties, and we believe that agreements can be reached. A railway strike would cause unnecessary impacts on the U.S. economy and consumers. UPS will flex our integrated smart logistics network to serve our customers. So you're going to know more next week. A rail stoppage, of course, as we've discussed in the past, would paralyze grain flows. It would paralyze the economy. The estimates are that it would be like 2 or $3 billion per day in economic damage across the U.S. economy. So we very much uh, want and need to avoid this if possible. Russia has some concerns regarding the Black Sea grain deal, and this is uh, probably not any fresh news this morning, but there were some new comments. So Russia, Ukraine, Turkey, the UN, they all agreed to extend this thing earlier this week. This morning, a senior UN official said that there's a bunch of fertilizer stuck in Russian ports, 300,000 metric tons. The official said that these sanctions are still basically an issue for Russia. Russia has made no bones about this. They want sanction relief because they say that sanctions, not sanctions directly on grain or fertilizer, but sanctions on the banking system, payment systems, um, they've hurt uh, Russian grain exports. 
exports and fertilizer exports. So my general feeling here is this. Uh, Russia pulled out of this grain deal once. And I think they could do it again if they don't uh, see some of these demands met. I think they have a lot of leverage here. I think they've used this as leverage. So yeah, for the moment, the headlines are bearish. And the fact that they extended the deal, I mean, that's a bearish headline. But this thing could change at a moment's notice. I just have a feeling you have not uh, necessarily seen the end of this. Meanwhile, fighting continues in several regions of Ukraine. Russian missiles hit Ukrainian energy facilities yesterday. So the war is very much ongoing. The grain deal looks good for now. But again, these Russian concerns just have not been addressed uh, fully or, or really even at all, I don't think. China's COVID cases continue to surge. More than 24,000 new locally transmitted COVID cases reported on Friday, which again is the highest total since April. Yesterday, we had like 23,000 and change. And again, I think those numbers are probably all fake, but I think the trend is probably correct. China has laid out preparations to deal with surging COVID cases, uh, but at the same time has warned local authorities against irresponsible loosening of COVID controls. So you've seen uh, some mixed messaging and some double speak out of Beijing when it comes to this whole deal. Last Friday, Chinese leadership instructed local government officials to ease COVID controls, cut the length of quarantine times, and avoid unnecessary mass testing. At the same time, it was printed in uh, China's flagship state-run news publication uh, that uh, they're essentially calling on China's population to stick with its approach of staying vigilant when it comes to COVID. So I don't know exactly which way this is going, but I know that grain traders and and just any uh, market watcher around the world, they're watching the situation. Uh, the Chinese economy is a big deal. The direction of the Chinese economy is a big deal when it comes to demand for commodities, everything from crude oil to corn to soybeans. I mean, you name it, it's a big deal. So this is something that uh, we've got to keep an eye on. Uh, speaking of China, USDA reported a strong week of soybean export sales last week. U.S. exporters sold a net total of uh, just over 3 million metric tons of beans during the week ending November 10th. China accounted for more than half of that weekly total. Mexico was the second largest buyer. Uh, corn sales were also good at a million two. Mexico was the largest buyer there. Wheat sales were uh, again poor at 290,000. So that was the best uh, weekly soybean print we've seen in a while. And uh, China's back in the ball game here, at least for the moment. Accumulated U.S. corn commitments on the export market for the current marketing year are still bad. They're the third worst of the last 10 years. So I discussed, I, I think, a couple weeks ago how USDA probably needs to reduce its corn export projection. I think they should have done it last week, but they didn't. But that uh, may be something that's forthcoming. Accumulated soybean commitments are the fourth best of the last 10 years. So we're running uh, you know, close to average, slightly above average. Accumulated wheat commitments for the current marketing year are the worst since at least 2001. That's as far back as my chart goes, but it's probably worse than that. We're just not selling anything uh, in regard to wheat. Soybean acreage could be reduced in Argentina without additional rainfall. The Buenos Aires Grain Exchange said this week that drought has resulted in a drastic delay in soybean planting. The exchange estimated that soybean planting was 12% complete versus 29 the same date last year. So some groups have already cut their projections for Argentina soybean crop. USDA went from 51 down to 49 and a half last week. Um, some groups have still left their numbers unchanged around that 50 million metric ton mark. Uh, they are going to catch some rain in Argentina. 
It's not going to be enough, though, and it's not going to hit like all of the key soybean growing areas. Um, this is uh, precipitation uh, expected through November 27th on my map. And then on the right here is like a map of, of uh, soybean production density. So, yeah, some areas are going to catch some rain, but some areas won't. Um, this is uh, potentially a big deal depending on how bad it gets. Now, Brazil is the bigger deal, and Brazil's in good shape. Brazil's going to grow, you know, three times the soybeans that Argentina grows, give or take. So Brazil's the bigger deal. But this Argentina thing does matter, and it appears to be going kind of in the wrong direction in regard to the crop. So you may very well see some cuts or some additional cuts in regard to the production estimates there. Cattle market had a good day yesterday. Live cattle higher, feeder cattle higher. Uh, cash market, I believe, was just slightly better. 152 in Kansas, uh, 154 to 155 in Nebraska reported. We'll see what develops today. U.S. dollars marginally lower. Stock market's higher. The S&P's up 24. Dow Jones up 144. Bonds are off a little bit. Precious metals about flat. Crude oil is down 34 cents at 81.30 in the December WTI. I think this weakness in the crude ties back to these uh, Chinese economic issues or COVID issues. Have a great weekend, guys. I will talk to you Monday morning.